episode 33, Narcoleptic. I'm Assistant Curator Merle Riedel, and you're listening to a July 18th, 2007 podcast from the Kansas Historical Society. In this bi-weekly podcast, museum staff reveal the story behind the story about artifacts featured on the Cool Things section of the website, kshs.org. Welcome to another episode in our series dedicated to objects from the museum's current exhibit, Game Faces, Cantons and Sports. Sixty years ago, a team of young men traveled the dusty roads of north-central Kansas, playing baseball in pastures. Some were full-time farmers, others had just returned from the war, but all had romantic visions of playing for the big leagues. Join curator Laura Van Orsdale and I as we examine a uniform from this Narca Kansas team. Later, we'll play another round of Six Degrees of William Allen White. You'll find out that this Emporia editor was cool by association. Turns out, he's connected to Paris Hilton. But first, narcoleptic. Good morning, Laura Van Orsdell. Um, We are here to talk about a baseball uniform from the 1940s. Um, This is a white uh, wool baseball uniform that reads Narca in uh, large print across the front. That's (laughs) N-A-R-K-A. Uh, Who wore this uniform, and what is Narca? (laughs) Well, Narca is a town in north-central Kansas. It's actually only a few miles south of the Nebraska border. And the uniform was worn by Evan Kwasnichka, who was born and raised in the Narca area. Uh, He was a farmer there and spent his whole life in that that area. Evan played baseball in high school, but he um, and apparently he really enjoyed playing baseball. He's apparently quite good. He played in a league for um, older boys after he graduated from high school as well, the Ban Johnson League. And then, of course, town baseball was really big. In it's been big uh, here in Kansas since the civil, since shortly after the Civil War. Uh, and most of the towns around Narca had teams. Um, had them had a team. There were some teams in Nebraska that Narca would play. After the war, after World War II, uh, Evan and um, some of his friends joined the Narca Town team. And so that's when um, he played for, I think, like one year, one or two years uh, before the team got these uniforms. But um, they had the uniforms were um, provided for them to play on this town team. And they would go all over, um, well, about within about a 40 to 50 mile radius to play. So they were playing other town teams from yes. other towns yes. around. Mm-hmm, yeah, they play like Concordia. Haddam was real close. That's another small town near there. And then also, like I think Superior, Nebraska had a team that wasn't too far away, a couple towns in Nebraska, because they're so close to the border. Um, the uniform, it pretty much looks like your average baseball uniform from the 1940s. Mm-hmm. Um, but this one was kind of uh, meant to emulate a specific team. That's right. What was the team it was meant to look like? And uh, why do you think they chose this team to emulate? <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting. I talked to a good friend of Mr. Kwasnichka's, um, Glenn Pileski, a f- few months ago. And uh, Glenn had also played on the team. In fact, if you go to the website, there's a picture of Glenn and Evan wearing their Narca uniforms. They were buddies, right? Yeah, they were good friends. They okay. had been neighbors as kids, and they just they stayed friends as they grew up. Um, Anyway, according to Mr. Pileski, those uniforms were based on the uniforms that the St. Louis Cardinals were wearing 
And I uh, actually, if you look, I happen to have a picture here of a 1945 St. Louis Cardinals uniform. And it's a little hard to see because it's actually in black and white, not in color. Mm -hmm. But um, the uniforms are, you can tell the uniforms are very similar, the same striping around the, the collar. Um, the only major difference you can see is, of course, uh, the Narca uniform doesn't say Cardinals across the front. <laughs> and um, the Cardinals were wearing striped socks striped stockings that were blue and red and of course the Narca uniform has um, the stockings have red at the top and then what was once white at the bottom but it's now um, because of washing it's it looks a little pinkish mm -hmm. <laughs> the dyes moved but um, and I think you know Mr. Pulaski didn't tell me specifically why they picked the Cardinals although the Cardinals aren't too far away from Narca I mean you know there's a few teams closer but I think too um, part of it might have been that the, the Cardinals were really hot in the early 40s um, okay. they won let's see they won the World Series in 1942 44 and 46 and they lost the World Series in 43 but they played in it in 43 and they were second in the league in 41 and 45 so they were clearly at the top of their game at that time so probably um, not a bad team to want to be like okay since we're talking about uh, the appearance of a baseball uniform mm -hmm. why is it that baseball uniforms look the way they do specifically why the huge because these have big baggy pants right, right why the big baggy pants and why the stockings right the pants themselves, the baggy pants, probably came about a little bit. They're shorter, of course. They come just below the knees. And originally, baseball players tended to play in long pants. But as you can imagine, running around on a field, fielding a ball, you know, running bases, um, those a longer pant could get in the way because if they were baggy or at the bottom, um, you know, you'd be tripping over them, okay. that kind of thing. So. Uh, in 1968, or excuse me, 1868, um, the Cincinnati Red Stockings uh, were a team, the first team that introduced knickers, which are short pants that come, mm -hmm. you know, just below the knee, kind of like this. And so since then, uh, they were very practical. They, they didn't, you know, they didn't you'd get in your way as you're running around. But uh, the problem is, is that you have those short pants that only come to the knee, and you know, you you need to cover your legs because in the 1860s, you didn't. You know, you weren't going to even men weren't going to show off their legs. Right. So uh, then you end up with this with long stockings or hose to cover up the bottom part of the legs. Well, then you end up the red stockings. Their name kind of comes from the fact that they were wearing red socks, mm -hmm. red stockings. And um, eventually, there's several other teams that use the the um, the um, name stockings, and eventually it got shortened to socks. So now we have the red socks and the white socks. So they're teams that are named after an article of their own uniform. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, the uniform also has some stuff on the back of it. It mm -hmm. says... Cerny Brothers Hardware Store. Right. Um, that's printed in large letters on the back. Uh -huh. Who were the Cerny Brothers? Were they like the best guys on the team? Uh, who were these guys? <laughs> well, you know, I'm not sure if they actually played baseball. It's it's not unusual to see a, a town team uniform with a sponsor on the back. Um, they probably, it was a local business in town, and they probably just sponsored the team. Um, I did do a little research into the Cerny Brothers, Cerny, Cerny Brothers, um, and they, I found them in the 1930 census, of course, we're talking about the 40s, but in the 1930 census, I found three Cherney brothers alive um, and working in or around the hardware store. Mm -hmm. um, and then I also, uh, I th also in look, doing a little research next door, I found a history of Republic County, which NARC is in Republic County. Um, and there in the book, it said that the Cherney brothers opened their hardware store in 1909, and that in 1962, one of them was still running it. So they, um, 
probably had did a good business in, in this area. Chernies, um, they were all the brothers were from were born in Czechoslovakia and immigrated to the United States. And Kwasnička, that family, Kwasnička, um, Kwasnička, Evan was uh, the grandson of Czech immigrants too. So, so that's a Czech immigrant yeah. community. Yes, very <laughs> much so. Very much. If you look at the census, you see Czechoslovakia or Bohemia listed for uh, a good portion of the people. But baseball's pretty pretty much a North American sport, right? right. They didn't learn that until no. those, those families didn't learn that until they got here. Probably not, no. Okay, and um, just uh, one more question. Okay. Um, since it's kind of unclear, unless you know something <laughs> I don't know, it's kind of unclear what exactly Narca's mascot was because right. there's nothing on the uniform. Right. Uh, I don't think they were the Narca stockings or the Narca socks. <laughs> I don't um, think so. Since we don't know what their mascot was, mm -hmm. and uh, Narca's kind of a fun name to play around with, <laughs> if you could come up with a mascot, what would it be? I have some suggestions. I think they could be the Narca Sharka. <laughs> um, they could also embrace their local coyote population and call themselves the Narca Barca. <laughs> or my favorite, if there was a factory there that made large puffy coats, uh, they could be the Narca Parka. <laughs> Do you have any suggestions? Well, I'm going to guess they probably weren't the Narca Sharkas because there's not a lot of sharks too close to Narca. No. Um, and I'm not sure if there was a, a Parka manufacturer in Narca. Um, I, I was thinking that perhaps they could go with the bird theme, you know, since they, their uniform was based on the St. Louis Cardinals uniform. Right. Perhaps they could be the Narca Larkas. Ah, uh, very clever. Yes. Or um, I had a suggestion from our other curator, Blair Tarr, um, he he thought that, that it would be good if the team, you know, maybe they get a little sleepy out on the field, you know, or sitting on the bench, they could right. call themselves the Narcoleptics. Oh, that's fun. <laughs> let right. you know, that, let the opposing team know who yeah. they're dealing with. Right. Although, I think looking at some of the newspaper articles, they were a pretty good team, so I doubt <laughs> they fell asleep on the field too often. Okay. Well, Laura, thanks for telling us about the Narca uniform. You bet. So we thought we were done with this podcast, but interestingly, uh, a few hours after we were recording it, uh, we had a visitor. Uh, Laura, you want to tell us a little bit about who this visitor is and why we're adding some more to the podcast? Sure. Well, um, strangely enough, that visitor was Glenn Pileski, and Glenn was a close friend of Evan Kwasnichka, who wore the uniform that we have in our collection and who we've been talking about today. Uh, Glenn and Evan both played for the Narcatown team, and Glenn played outfield while Evan played third base. Now, at age 94, Glenn still retains fond memories of his baseball days, and he was kind enough to let us record a few of those. Uh, like, one of the questions he answered was why the Narca team modeled their uniforms off the uniforms of the St. Louis Cardinals. And he also told us a little bit about what it was like to wear these thick, heavy wool uniforms. So, uh, have a listen. Can I ask, why did, you, why did you want your uniforms to look the same as the St. Louis Cardinals? Well, because that was the closest major league team to us at that time. There was no Kansas City Royals until uh, the 1960s. And, and some of them went to see those games. That was the they're the ones that we rooted for. So that's who most of the people in Narca were fans of the, well, yeah, the St. Louis Cardinals. Yeah, I'll see the next ones that are in Chicago, yeah. Mm -hmm. And you didn't want to cheer for the Chicago White, yeah. whether they White, White Sox or the Cubs? Yeah. Were these uniforms comfortable to wear? Yeah. They, they were wool. Because they, they look hot. Well, but we had the uh, heavy sweatshirts. We'd sweat, but you know, we played... Uh, like just like today, we've been out there playing, mm -hmm. and that, when you sweat and you was cool, 
Yeah. It wasn't bad. Not Glenn bad. said the vast majority of players on the Narca team were farmers. Um, not that surprising given the area where they were playing. Uh, he also told us a great story about how he learned to play baseball. So he's the one that actually taught you how to play baseball? Well, yeah. Did your father know how to play baseball? Oh, yeah. yeah well, oh, he did? Oh, well, yeah. And uh, him and another neighbor there, he was left-handed. My dad right-handed. They both used to pitch, but they were in no fast company. But... We had a new barn there, and I'd get, and they, I'd be batting, and they'd both be pitching to me. They had that barn, barn fighting all busted the hell. <laughs> uh, but you know, in them days, they, those farmers, uh, if there was a ball game, like in the afternoon, and they were putting up hay in the forenoon. Uh, they'd quit putting up hay, and they went to the ball game, and then after the ball game was over, they'd come back and go to work. Really? Uh, perhaps most emblematic, though, of a rural Kansas baseball team was not the uniform, but actually the baseball fields uh, on which they played. Listen to Glenn describe some of the fields that they played on. And they had, we had what they called a pasture league. They had six uh, pasture leagues. They had ball diamonds out in pastures. And we had six of them in the area around between these three towns, and they had a league. A and, pasture league, and you played uh, baseball uh, in pastures. No. Yeah, and they didn't have no fence around or anything. Uh, sometimes they use a mattress for a backstop. Mr. Pileski also um, was kind enough to bring in a photograph for us, and it's a photograph of the NARCA team. Um, it's a little earlier than what the uniforms we have in our exhibit, but uh, I thought it was interesting. It was a photo of the whole team, and he's the only one who's surviving still. Everybody else has passed away. Yeah, it's pretty. It's a pretty neat photograph. It's um, actually in front of the Narca City elevator. Right. It's taken on the baseball field, and in the background, you can see the grain elevator. And there's a row of two uh, two rows of young men in mm -hmm. baseball uniforms. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so we just want to give um, Mr. Pileski uh, a thank you for coming by and telling us some additional information. A long time ago, we used to be friends, but I haven't thought of you lately at all. And now it's time for another round of Six Degrees of William Allawhite. Why do you always say that, <laughs> Familiarity. Okay. People know it's coming that way. Okay, but first, we're going to start out with a little listener response. And I have uh, an email here from a Chris from Brooklyn, New York. Chris says, I have a question about the pathoclast, an object you discussed in one of your podcasts last year. It's the contraption that allowed doctors supposedly to diagnose patients with nail clippers, photographs, etc. Did the Historical Society happen to also acquire a manual for the pathoclast? Thank you so very much. But most importantly, by the way, I love the podcast. I listen to it on my subway rides here in New York City. Sincerely, Chris. Uh, Rebecca, I believe you uh, you were our guest when we had the podcast about the uh, medical quackery. Is mm -hmm. there a manual for the pathoclast? Unfortunately, no, there isn't, and it would I would assume make very entertaining reading. Um, but we don't have a manual for a lot of the medical quackery, and uh, I like to think it's because having a manual would limit your imagination as to what you could diagnose <laughs> remotely with with instruments like the pathoclast. So mm -hmm. it was you, yeah, your diagnoses were limited only by your imagination without a manual. I think Chris's question leads to a more interesting question. Chris, why do you need a manual 
for the pathoclast? That's a good question. If you have one, you'll notice ours were seized by the Kansas Department of Health and Environment. I just want, just want to put that out. <laughs> okay, so now we'll get on to the six degrees of William Allen White. Um, Rebecca, I believe you have a solution to the last challenge, which was to connect William Allen White to Paris Hilton. Uh, what, what is your solution? Well, uh, in four degrees, here it is. William Allen White had a son, William Lindsay White, who was a famous journalist in his own right. Bill Jr. knew Dwight D. Eisenhower, who was the supreme commander of all the Allied forces in Europe during World War II and a fellow Kansan. And later he became president of the United States, the only Kansan to become a U.S. president. Um, William Lindsay White was a roving editor for Reader's Digest, and he got to know Eisenhower during that time. He interviewed him during World War II and later researched and wrote a biography of Eisenhower, and he had a little bit of a, a, a minor role in convincing Ike to run for the presidency after the war. Eisenhower was great friends with Conrad Hilton, who hmm. was here, here we're getting close, aren't we? <laughs> Founder of the Hilton Hotel chain. They were golfing partners. And Conrad Hilton, of course, was Paris Hilton's great-grandfather. There you are. A proud Uh, great-grandfather. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Well, he's dead now, but (laughs) I'm sure he was proud of her accomplishments at one time. (laughs) And and I would also like to say I think I am probably the only person to have added the biography of Conrad Hilton to her Netflix queue ever. To find this answer, but... Some Netflix staffer got a kick out of that. Yeah. Well, uh, I influenced the numbers uh, on the Conrad Hilton biography, but um, I'm not going to do that again. But, hey, it is out there if any of you other Netflix subscribers want to check it out. Okay. um, Nikayla, I believe you are going to issue the next challenge, which is a little something special. Yeah, it's a little different. It may be William Allen White suicide for us. (laughs) This may be the end of William Allen White. Who knows? Our next challenge is to connect William Allen White to Harry Potter, wow. the fictional wizard, Harry Potter. Yeah, he's not real, is fictional. he? No, fictional. Yeah, I know. It's like I'm telling kids that Santa doesn't exist. Um, it's suicide because we don't have an answer yet. Nope. Yeah. In fact, we just came up with the idea of connecting him to Harry Potter how long ago? Uh, about five minutes ago. Okay. <laughs> After having just seen the film not too long ago. Correct. Both of you. So, so uh... I, I didn't watch it. So <laughs> so we're going to come up with a solution, and we want you, the listener, to also come up with a solution. And uh, if you uh, do come up with one, um, send it to us at podcasts at kshs.org. That is podcasts with an S. And if you could send it before the next podcast, we'd really appreciate it. Deep in thought, I That's it for episode 33, Narcoleptic. Join us in two weeks when we talk about a lone shoe that found itself in the center of an epic quest to reach beyond the limits of human endurance. You'll also hear some comments from guests at the Sundown. What is the Sundown? It's a film festival hosted by the museum that spans four consecutive weekends, and it's going on right now. This year, the festival features sports-related films with a Kansas connection. We're showing Hoosiers this week, which stars a Kansas native. Next week, you can watch Brian's song, Bring a Hanky, Cause It's a Tearjerker. If you'd like to know more, come check out our website at kshs.org. This podcast is a production of the Kansas State Historical Society. Uh, but anyhow... 
Is he holding a beer? Huh? Is that a beer? Oh, that's a, oh yeah, it's a bottle of beer. Oh, yeah? It wasn't uncommon to have beer no, at the games? It was, it was, uh, uh, there was a liquor guy from Hubble, Nebraska, season eight, and he ran a liquor store. And so, and he, he followed us and he bet on it. Oh, really? Yeah. Nice. And, and he'd furnish us all the beer and anything we wanted to drink. And, and when we got these new suits, we told him, you know, we sure need to use some nice red sweatshirts to go with it. The next Sunday, why, he had his car full of new sweatshirts.